0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season whether i was out west during my elk hunt south dakota mule deer hunt or my rut vacation in iowa i was on my phone using onyx maps every part of the day whether i was looking at terrain features uh on the topographic and and satellite maps that they offer on their uh Uh, On their app or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location I used onyx maps every single day and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map. And uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before. I had to wait till sun up and then and then you know find it that way. But that. Problem does not exist anymore because of Onyx, and uh, there's a ton of other features that I think you guys need to check out. Go to OnyxMaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app. Uh, download it to your phone, give it a try, and when you do decide to purchase, enter the discount code Nation20. N A T I O N two zero, and for new users, you're going to re- receive twenty percent off. So onyxmaps.com happy hump day everybody and welcome to the nine finger chronicles podcast brought to you by vortex optics i'm telling you right now um I got a little case of cabin fever. It's either cabin fever or it's I spend too much time with my kids' fever, and I really just want to get outside and start scooping some antlers. I'm telling you right now, having a two year old is difficult because he wants to go outside with the older kids the older kids can pretty much take care of themselves they go play in the snow and they can go outside and do whatever the other guy he can't go outside by himself and that means i have to be outside with him but he takes his gloves off and then he starts to cry and then i try to take him back in the house and then he cries because he can't be outside with the older kids. So I put a different pair of gloves on him and I take him outside and then he can't walk in the deep snow quite yet. So he starts to cry. So I take him back inside and then he starts to cry. So I take him back out. See, you're starting to see the pattern here and uh, I'm just ready for all this shit to melt. So not only can my kids get outside and burn more energy, but I can get outside and not go batshit crazy because... I'm stuck inside with, <laughs> I love my family. I love them to death, but I need to get outside and do some shed hunting, and um, man, I'm, I'm starting to see reports in the area of some deer starting to drop. Uh, it just seems like this year is just a little bit, coming a little bit earlier than most years, but uh, I am... I'm ready. Whenever they drop, I'm going to go out. Uh, probably going to take a, a nice trip out uh, one of these days here in February. Go for an entire day and then do a weekend with my wife uh, like we always do later in, I don't know, later in February or one of the first couple weeks weekends in March and get out there and try to find some bone. It's uh, just fun to get out and get walking and breathe some fresh air and all that stuff so uh, I got I got a bit of housekeeping to do before we get into today's episode I am getting ready to launch a handful of I'm going to call it right now whiteboard Wednesdays where I basically just do some whitetail X's and O's on a big whiteboard and kind of show my access routes Using topographic lines and, and contour lines show where bedding areas are, show my access routes, show my tree stand locations, show the winds that I used, and you can find that on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. So be um, be on the lookout for that. I don't have one launched yet, but I'm recording one this week. So uh, keep an eye out for that and. Other than that, make sure you're following along on social. Make sure you're subscribed uh, to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts, Nine Finger Chronicles, obviously. Other than that, We got to talk about uh, today's episode. Today's episode, we are joined once again by my friend, the CEO of the National Deer Alliance, Nick Penizzato, and Nick is basically just going to give us an update on all of the happenings and uh, all of the irons in the National Deer Alliance fire, so to speak, and it's just a really good, informative episode where you guys get to hear what this organization is doing and... uh, And uh, what they're basically doing for us. And, you know, uh, just a real good informative podcast. But before we get into this episode, I got to do a commercial. And today it is Prime Archery. So the last two years, right, I've um, shot the Logic and then I shot the CT3. And I'm telling you right now, man, uh, if I had to put those two bows together, and this is just personal preference, um, I would probably pick the. The, the original logic over the CT3. Just, I find myself being drawn to shorter axle to axles. Um, and I really did like that uh, original logic. The 33, inch, this year's was 33 inch axle to axle, the CT3. Absolutely loved it. Um, you know, if, I, and it would be just me being critical, but I love Prime Bows. I love the brand. I love the you know, the draw cycle on these bows. I love that it's, you know, if you want to use the term forgiving, I think that gets overused a lot when describing a bow, but they have the, the science and the engineering and the craftsmanship to back, back it up with their dual cam systems, man. You know, the only thing I can really tell you is if you want to um, go, go find a dealer, and just shoot a prime, and uh, I think it, it will sit and it will compare with any other bow on the market. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up there with the 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 top three, right? I, I shot three bows at the ATA show, or I shouldn't say I shot three. I shot more than three at the ATA show this year. And again, prime. You know, in no order, top three bows uh, that were out on the floor. So, um, huge fan of the brand, huge fan of the products that they put out. So, if you want to find out more information about Prime, visit primearchery.com. Check out the new Black Series that these guys just recently launched. And now that I'm done with this commercial, we can get into today's National Deer Alliance update episode with my homie, Nick Penizzato. All right, on the phone with me right now, the man in charge of the National deer Alliance, Nick Penizzato Nick, what's up, man Dan how you
1: doing good to good to talk to you again' good to see you, yeah, the I feel ATA like show as well,
0: yeah, I feel like we had a we had our little five ten minutes there at the a t a but uh man, I really feel that uh we should have hung out more while we were there <laughs> it's busy i I always feel that way and um you see a lot of people and I know many times what happens
1: to me, I'm sure it does to you too. I'll see someone, we'll make eye contact, we'll say, Hey, stop back, we'll catch up and then <laughs> you don't see them again. Right and, uh so it goes fast.
0: Right. Right. I over I over scheduled myself at that show and it just I don't know. Next year if I go to it again. I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go in with a lot less on my plate and just trying to enjoy it and but man, I just had so many meetings and I'm sure it was the same way with you where if there was something cool that wanted to happen, it couldn't even fit in the schedule.
1: yeah, it's a double-edged sword you yeah. know you want to see as many people as you possibly can when you're there because they are there, but then at the same time, like you said, it's very easy to overextend yourself and Next thing you know, you might be missing good opportunities
0: that are there. So, yeah, that's always a challenge. Right. So, all right, National Deer Alliance, uh, great organization. Um, absolutely love supporting uh, what it is that you guys do over there. And just kind of real quick, why don't we get f- straight from the, the horse's mouth uh, a bit of a state of the union of the the National Deer Alliance?
1: Yeah, and I appreciate that. It's very timely because, so now, it's funny, I just read an email this morning to somebody and referencing that we've been around for five years, and it kind of made me pause, because man, that was this has been really fast five years, and I remember when you and I had first talked for the first time I was on the podcast, we were, we were still just very much an idea and trying to find our place and surviving, and now... Yeah, I'm happy to report we were able to hire an additional full time staff person who you got to talk to at the ATA show. His name's Lauren Miller. Uh, so we have doubled the full time staff at the National Beer Alliance, which is <laughs> really awesome. Uh, it's nice to have, and I'm still learning. Re- reminding myself, I'm I'm used to coming from organizations where I had pretty sizable teams and could delegate. And right. when I came to the NDA, it was a solo show. and I'm getting used to again, the idea that, Hey, I can pass this off and have somebody help. with it. So, uh, so that's been really good. And we've all, we've doubled our budget, which is really good. And it's not, um, we haven't done it for the sake of just getting bigger. That's never been our goal, but we've done it because the work dictates that we need to help. And we've got some significant projects that we're working on. And we've, um, just really, I think, found the right place for us as an organization and, um, We've made it, I think, pretty clear just based on our work that we're a, we're an organization that's not going anywhere and that we're going to continue to do good things for deer hunters in the industry.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, and it's it's cool to see from my perspective or, you know, um, outside, let's say an NDA member seeing that, because it's always cool to see the time or the energy that it takes to even if it's something simple as open one of the NDA emails and read it and, uh, you know, read the content that you guys are putting out. It's good to see that what we are supporting is growing and that growth only means better things for hunters, uh, you know, deer hunters out there.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you recognize the uptick in the amount of content because that was always one of the challenges is you had, you had time to maybe do the work, but you didn't have time to get it out there for people to read about it. So uh, bringing Torin on board was, was really helpful because it, it, since the beginning of the year, we've, we've just pounded the content and told people about the things we're working on. We've sent out multiple action alerts to sportsmen so that they can get involved and uh yeah it's it's been great and i'm frankly i'm glad you noticed and i hope others have too
0: yeah absolutely all right let's get into some of the specifics here um what are some some any exciting things that's going on uh projects or uh, legislation that maybe you guys are currently working on that's going to help us out
1: yeah so i'll I'll actually start with legislation and then i'll I'll wrap up by talking about our, our biggest project but um, really, just a matter of fact, yesterday there was a, we put an action alert out to our friends in West Virginia to support uh, West Virginia House Bill 4116, which would allow deer hunters to use tracking dogs to recover wounded deer. And yeah, believe it or not, we still have states that don't allow that in the country. And um, to me, it just seems silly because the idea is to, is to recover a wounded animal. Right. And I think that people are realizing that, you know what, they're doing this in other states and the sky isn't falling. So they're starting to catch up. So that was a, just a really recent one that we put out. Um, we've been doing quite a bit of work uh, also in states like Minnesota. Um, they recently implemented a temporary ban on the movement of, movement of all deer, This primarily impacts the captive Deer industry, deer farmers, they said, listen, we found CWD in a, on a farm that uh, we have We have to spend some time tracking back where this came from. And uh, you know, other deer had moved on to this farm and brought the disease with it. And so they put a temporary ban on the movement of all deer, which is something that we supported. And, uh, you know, th- then, then it's, it's been interesting since then. There's been some fallout because there was a, a local deer farmer there who always brought a live deer to one of their sportsman shows despite the band decided he was going to load up the deer and bring it anyway and of course got a fine for it because he broke the broke the movement rule but then it, it just kind of got dicey because people really enjoy seeing a live deer at the show too so it just really brought a lot of interesting conversation to that issue but from our perspective we care about live deer or um, excuse me we care about wild deer and we care about our folks that hunt wild deer and we're always going to take precautions that we feel are necessary to protect that resource, which is why we supported that. So um, those are a couple of just uh, very recent things that we've been working on.
0: Right. Let me ask you a question about dogs, because currently in Iowa, it is illegal to use a dog to track a deer. And I wish I had one a couple of years ago to uh, help me in the recovery. I ended up recovering the deer, but a dog would have been nice either way. What what is some of the pushback that people get, or even why is the use of dogs currently illegal in some states? Is there a hubbub from people about oh dogs getting away and running on property and scaring deer? What's the what's the pushback there?
1: I think I think a lot of it's just our law enforcement perspective, and I think generally when people are making these laws or regulations, they always sort of consider, well, the worst case scenario and they envision people and dogs running all through the woods, chasing deer and uh, maybe using dogs to hunt deer. And, you know, I think over time though, and as you and I both know, that's, that's the furthest thing from what happens. Um, Typically the scenario goes, somebody uh, hits a deer, they're having trouble locating it and they, they pick up the phone and call somebody who is a professional skilled tracker. Um, There is a really, frankly, a really large community out there and a growing community of people who have dogs and they love to teach in the track and they love to get them out on tracks. So you're dealing with people that really kind of know what they're doing. And it's really just about recovery of that animal. And, you know, that's, I think that's first and foremost, the priority. Um, Will you you get occasionally a a person that wants to do something silly and stupid? Well, Yeah.
0: (laughs) But those
1: people are going to do silly, stupid things regardless if you you know, allow them to track deer or not. So, you know, let's not pretend that just because there's a law in the books that that'll stop somebody that wants to do something stupid uh, because it won't. Right. So I think that's what it is. But I, I really think though that, that, that people are starting to look around and realize that, hey, this is really a good thing for hunters and it's a good thing for the resource. And I've been on tracks with dogs and, and professional handlers and, and trained dogs, and it's fun and it's exciting. And these dogs are good. I mean, they know what they're doing. And I talked to a tracker uh, just at the ATA show. As a matter of fact, that uh, he had a hundred, a hundred trails, and they were successful on most of those,
0: which yeah. I, I think is really impressive. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So Sunday hunting, right? I think uh, your home state of you, know, so you live in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So your home state of Pennsylvania is—is is it in the process of? Allowing Sunday hunting, or did that already pass?
1: So, what passed is that the state is the Pennsylvania Game Commission is now allowed to authorize three days or three Sundays during any of the hunting seasons to allow people to hunt on Sunday as sort of a try it out basis. Uh, Which you know, it may seem silly to someone that has already been hunting in a state where you can hunt on Sundays, but the reality is. A lot of these states that are that are now finally moving to allow Sunday hunting have gone through the steps of a trial basis just to make sure that the sky doesn't fall, uh, frankly, and the world doesn't come to an end if they have Sunday hunting, and then the hope is that it moves forward and it becomes just a permanent thing that you can hunt on Sundays. Now, in Pennsylvania, the Game Commission has just put out its proposed seasons for this for this coming year, and it looks like the... Last Sunday of the archery season will be one of the Sundays. The first Sunday of the firearms gun season will be one of the Sundays, and it'll also be a Sunday in bear season uh, that will be this. The first three for this year. So, at any rate, it's a step forward. It's not exactly where we would like to be, but you know, really, it's just about giving sportsmen as much opportunity as possible to be out there. And I think opening up that extra weekend day will just really do a lot of good for for hunters and for businesses that are supported by hunters i just i just don't see the downside
0: yeah i you know i often get fired up when i hear something like this because i live in iowa where hunting on sundays is legal and i look at you know i may be what's that uh, term looking through the the world through rose colored glasses where everything's happy you know like trying to uh look at it that way but I just assume it's a no-brainer. Why, why are some people thinking that Sunday hunting is a bad thing? Is it, is it religion? Is it, um, hey, the deer herd needs a break? What's the thought process there?
1: You know, that's a great question, Dan, and the answer is probably not what people are expecting because a lot of people, they use religion as the reason, but the reality is when you really dig into the reasons, people don't want it. Um, it, it comes down to a bit of selfishness in some respects. People are worried about their deer being shot or too many deer being shot, which is always laughable to me. Because if you look at all these states, I mean, you're in one of them, uh, arguably the best whitetail state in the country. Um, have you run out of deer there in Iowa yet, Dan?
0: Not yet. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And so, like, and it also cracks me up because in, in Ohio, right next door to Pennsylvania, it's it's open to Sunday hunting, and you see nothing but Pennsylvania plates in that state. Yeah, uh, come the rut, and they're hunting on Sundays. Uh, so it's usually not because uh, of a religious thing. It's mostly because I think people are worried about the deer herd, and I think also we get a little bit of pushback as other states have from. People who don't even hunt, hikers and other users of state lands, for example, that say, "Well, that's our day to be in the woods when there aren't any hunters there." And then you get into the old fight about, "Well, guess what? Hunters paid for this, and uh, when you start paying for it, then we'll talk." Yeah, um, but it's, it's it's I think it's I think religion, ironically, is probably the smallest part of it for most people.
0: Gotcha. I just I I look at something like that where it's just another day for hunters. Uh, an outdoorsman really whether you're turkey hunting or you're deer hunting or whatever to go out and spend money at a gas station buying gas and buying food and anything that has to do with travel even maybe a small uptick in hunting gear and equipment and ammunition and firearms that all kind of goes back into the economy. So I think from from strictly an economy standpoint, I think one extra day of spending would be great for the state.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the National Shooting Sports Foundation has done some great work on that, and they put some numbers to exactly that, what does Sunday hunting mean to the economy, and it's, it's gigantic. I'd encourage people to check that out, nssf.org um but yeah i mean and it's like i said if you go on and you watch some of the online arguments and you read the comments which i do occasionally for entertainment value uh it's just the the reasoning whatever you tell someone okay well great if you don't like sunday hunting then don't go that day yeah and then that just defeats every argument that they possibly have and
0: you just get back at it but at any rate
1: Headed in the right direction, still not exactly where, where I'd like us to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I think the last time we talked, um, it, we talked about the America's Conservation Enhancement Act. I think yes. The last time we talked. Um, real quick, give us a, a, a real quick rundown of what that is, and then if there's been anything that's come from it uh, in recently
1: sure yeah and, and and i would also encourage people to check out our website at nationaldeeralliance.com where we have some summaries of these bills but this one in particular um so not exactly a, a deer provision but important nonetheless it reauthorizes reauthorizes what's called NACA, which is the north american wetlands conservation act um waterfowlers of course are really big and behind that um, but basically it's wetlands conservation um, $60 million will go toward wetlands conservation, which is, it's important to pretty much all species, all species, but really our, our friends in the waterfowl community have, have led that effort, but it's important. Uh, 30 million acres of, of, of wetland habitat is a big deal. Um, the thing that, uh, one of the specific things for deer that it does is it establishes a chronic wasting disease task force. Um, so it would be led by the Fish and Wildlife Service and, um, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about another task force on chronic wasting disease or another group, but I look at it this way. Um, the more people talking about it and the more people focused on it, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So it does create that task force. And then this, the next point may be the biggest of all of them, and, and that's the modernization of the Pittman-Robertson Fund. So this is the tax that, uh, you know, your listeners may not even understand. I'm sure you've talked about it before, but we all pay a tax on guns and ammo and some archery products that goes into, essentially gets kicked back to the states through this fund to manage wildlife. And it has always really been limited to what you could do with it. It wasn't very flexible. It was pretty much for on-the-ground wildlife conservation. Well, wildlife conservation obviously is critical, but a critical component of that is making sure you have enough hunters to implement what we call the North American model of wildlife conservation and as we're losing hunters people started asking well why can't we use some of this money for recruitment and retention of new hunters so the fund will now be more flexible and allow people allow the states uh, frankly more flexibility to do do just that use the money to educate and bring more more hunters into the field and i think that that's just a a really a really wise idea so um, that's an important aspect of it as well so it's this bill it's uh it's hr 925 And it's already passed the Senate and now it needs to pass the House. If you go to the National Beer Alliance website, we have a action center right there and you'll see the action alert, um, our grassroots advocacy center. You can go in there, sign up for that. Doesn't cost you anything. And literally with just a few clicks of the mouse, you can support that legislation or other things that you see on the site. So Um, Yeah, I appreciate you asking about that one. It's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, another big deal. You know, and you've already touched base on CWD. Why don't you uh, walk us through the CWD Communications Project? Yeah, so we
1: are right now in the early stages of really leading a national education and communications effort on chronic wasting disease. So it's not just the National Deer Alliance. I've assembled a team of – other organizations and some really good people to help lead this thing. And we'll we'll be relying on uh, a lot of different people to pull this thing off. But essentially what it involves is, um, I don't want to call it a campaign necessarily, but what we're trying to do is we're obviously trying to get good information about the disease, um, do it in a unique way where people might actually want to look at it and, and hear it, um, it's not exciting for anybody to sit there and just look at a biologist talking into the screen about this is CWD and what it does to deer. And I mean, nobody wants to watch that. So we are working with some very good filmmakers. As a matter of fact, we put out the first video, which is a little bit it, – well, it's, it's definitely Pennsylvania-specific because the Pennsylvania Game Commission has, has really kicked in the first piece of big money to make this thing happen. And they they flat out said, listen, we realize that this initial money is coming from us, but we want this to be a national effort, which is a really, really cool thing to, to show that leadership. Uh, but the first one is a little bit Pennsylvania specific, but it's got information that pertains to anybody. And if you just want to kind of get a feel for where we're going and how those films are going to look, you can check that out on our website as well. But we're going to um, do a lot of different and unique types of things with this with this project. It won't be sort of the typical somebody talking at you about the issue. It's going to be very hunter friendly. Um, it'll be very accurate. It's not emotional. We're not making stuff up. So it will be the true information. But I think most importantly, this is, this is a call to action for deer hunters. This isn't a call to let's hang up the guns and say, woe is it me. It's the opposite of that. Um, Back in the early 1900s, and we pretty much deforested uh, most of most of uh, North America, and there were very few deer left. Hunters, conservationists came together, and they saved the day. And look at our deer herds now across the country. Well, for those of us here now, this is our opportunity to do the same thing. This is an opportunity for us to participate in dealing with an issue like we haven't seen uh, that impacts deer since the early 1900s. So. It's an opportunity to shed the spotlight on what rock stars deer are. When it comes to conservation, I'm not sure people realize that 80% of all hunters hunt big game, primarily deer. And that money that's generated through deer hunting gets used to support all wildlife conservation. So if you're a person that likes songbirds, for example, you should care about deer and you should care about chronic wasting disease because it's going to impact you. So we want to make this a very positive movement. Uh, educational and of course, we're going to have to give you the information, but at the same time, we want to make sure people are rallied and excited about deer and understand just, uh, you know, deer are, it's not even arguable in my view, deer are the most iconic wildlife species in this country. Right. And they're in trouble right now. And I can't think of a better group to save them than hunters. Right. So that's where we're headed with this, and we're excited about it. It's a very early, early stages, but I think people will start seeing a lot more very soon.
0: Okay. What uh, what can we expect or what should we expect from this uh, this project to see? Are we talking about more email blasts? Are we talking about more videos, um, a, di- a different insight to CWD? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, I think hunters now have heard CWD It's almost to the point like beating a dead horse, if that makes sense. I know it's important, but sometimes even myself, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, more stuff about CWD, right? Whether or not it impacts me directly or not.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the whole point of it is that it's not fun and we get tired of hearing about it. So if we don't deliver it in consumable ways or unique ways, we have no chance for anybody to listen. So, yeah, videos are part of it. Uh, the first one we did is a little bit longer than most of them will be, but we envision that most of these will be ones that you can watch in just a few minutes on your phone. Um, so it doesn't require a huge effort on the part of the sportsman. Some of them will just be very practical. Like, okay, I shot a deer in a CWD state and I got to drive home to Iowa, for example, what do I need to know? Right. And we're just going to tell you very quickly, well, it's not the end of the world. Here's what you need to know and here's how you can do it. Right. Uh, because I think people are just looking for those very practical type things too. Like really, I don't have time to, you know, I can hear someone saying, "I don't have time to be know all the research about CWD." Frankly, all I want to know is if I kill a deer somewhere, like what do I have to do with it? So we're going to help on that. In that regard, some of this will be written too, since not everybody just watches videos. That's uh, we recognize that a lot of hunters are older and still want to see things in, in article form, and we're engaging with some of the best outdoor writers in the country to help us do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I. I groups like even the work you do dan through your podcast if you have your listeners if they say hey here's something i'd really like to know about the issue pass that on to us because that's exactly what we want to do we want to respond to the needs of sportsmen and get them the information that they want
0: gotcha All right, Uh, that's the CWD Communication Project. Uh, Just flipping through Instagram, I think it was last week, you guys got a pretty sizable donation from the Bass Pro organization. Why don't you fill us in on on what that was about and maybe what that will go to? Yep, sure. So
1: Bass Pro Shops has been a supporter of the National Deer Alliance since we started As a matter of fact, before the organization was even called the National Deer Alliance, Fast Pro Shops at Big Cedar Lodge hosted what was called the North American Whitetail Summit. So they've been keyed into this. Johnny Morris has uh, been focused on this. He understands the importance of deer to his industry from the beginning. And so... What you really saw there at the SHOT Show, uh, Johnny Morris and his son JP made it a point to come to the show. Rob Keck, who's their their conservation director, also on our board of directors for the NBA, did a check presentation for us for $25,000 at the SHOT Show. And we had a nice little event there, Um, nice photo op, which uh, you saw on Instagram, as you mentioned. And so... You know, a lot of that money, of course, will go toward our CWD effort. But they, I just, I'll just say that Bass Pro Shops has been a unwavering supporter of us since we started. And I, as I always tell people, not everybody says yes. Even if you've got a great idea, and you, I mean, I can tell you, um, there are some big name brands out there that that, that some of you, I'm sure, use. And I, if I told you the stories about how they they just sort of ignore the idea and they don't want to support. it'd probably be the the last time you'd use their product. So I'll just leave it at that um, and just say that Bass Pro Shops has has been anything but that. They've been supported from the the beginning, and I can at least tell you that when you spend your dollars there, and I don't mean to make this sound like a commercial, but when you spend your dollars there, you are definitely uh, giving to a company that's going to give back to conservation, and I can't thank Johnny Morris and Bass Pro Shops enough for that.
0: You know, and the more that I start to understand what it is that the national deer alliance does, uh, other organizations like 2% for conservation. Uh, it is important yeah. to me now where I buy my hunting gear and the, pro- the, the companies that I buy my hunting gear, like the brands that I buy, because if they support a conservation effort, that tells me that they're serious and they want this for the long haul, and it's not just about money. And that's a that's I'm getting to the point in my life now where that's important to me. Has have you seen an uptick at all from this? Because I've, I've we've had this conversation, I feel, a hundred times, whether it's on the podcast or just me and you chit chatting, you know, at a show somewhere you know you 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 telling the frustrations of some of the companies the bigger brands in this organization not giving back to conservation or you know and i'm sure you're not mad that a company isn't supporting the national deer alliance but not supporting anybody at all um have 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 you seen a a trend a trend change or a You know, a realization where companies are like, "Okay, we get it now. Here's some here's some time and some energy and some money to other organizations.
1: Yeah, and and I want to be fair. So we we have seen an uptick in people that support NDA because, frankly, they probably just wanted to see how we would do out of the gate now that we've got some real progress and some tangible results. Um, they've they've committed to helping us, so our list of partners has, has continued to grow for sure. And I and I think that's totally fair. By the way, to say hey, uh, come back to us whenever we can talk more specifically about things we can help you with. And I think that's totally fair because you, you can't also just give all your profits away. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll share another another example of that. So that we one of our sponsors is the clothing brand Catch and Deers. Yep. And so they they initially. We're we're only contributing to the National Deer Alliance, and as as they've grown and as we've grown, we've had just really good conversations with them about don't just support us. We want you to support other groups too, and they want to support other groups. So they are they're constantly looking to figure out how can we support more people. I mean, I I just don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's just a it's it's an incredible group of guys, and and I just I'm, I'm proud to work with them. Um, But, yeah, and I think part of the issue, though, are the people that say no. Some of it is um, we've got a lot of we've got foreign entities that own some of these bigger companies now or they own multiple companies. And so um, philanthropy is not as much on the radar screen as it might have been whenever it was owned by an individual, for example. So that's part of the challenge. But I also think some companies hide behind that, too, because. Um, and I don't mean this to pick on our outdoor television personalities, for example, but but one of the ones that I think about all the time, they think they think nothing of throwing a big money at, at those types of people. But then when you go ask for money for actual conservation, it's like, oh, we we don't have any money or we have to rearrange our budget. Uh, and I think that's frustrating because you need both, right? You need, I don't even want to get started.
0: I, I, yeah. I don't even yeah. want to get started. So I'll get mad. You know what <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's that's good that things are starting to trend, uh, you know, into the positive, and uh, it's good. You know, I mean, I I look at this and I say, good job, NDA, because I, you know, I'm I'm sitting out here on the sidelines in, in a way, right, um, and doing what i can do to spread the the message i'm just a conduit of information i think what you guys are doing um you know and not just the NDA, but a lot of these conservation organizations are helping so much and i'm sure it's frustrating at times not knowing the analytics the exact amount of how you're helping
1: oh sure and that's one of the challenges of policy work you know you you may work with legislators on a specific thing for five years and nothing's happening. You start to ask yourself what's the value here, but then all of a sudden, boom, year six, it happens. Right. Um, so it's a very slow process. And I think frustrating for sportsmen sometimes too. And it, as I try to explain to people, cause I'll get an email from a, you know, a random member that says, Hey, why aren't you working on this or you could really help us on this particular thing. And I, I tell them, well, we are actually working on that, but it's behind closed doors because you can't, if you're working with a state wildlife agency, for example, you're not going to accomplish a lot if you just are antagonistic and you try to cause a, poli- a, a public fight with, with these folks. You're much better off to get behind closed doors, and, and a lot of our best work done that way, and we can't even talk about it all the time right? until after it's done. So um, it is it is frustrating, and it sometimes makes it hard for us to, to market to people who can support us because they don't always see like an immediate return on the investment. Um, but it's there and, uh, it's,
0: it's, you have to show some patience, but you also have to be diligent and keep at it. Right. Okay. So typically this is the, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of all the questions that I wanted to ask you. And typically I would, I would ask you, Hey, if someone wants to find out more information about the National Deer Alliance or wants to become a member, what should they do? I want to take it a next step. And I want to ask you if you're already a member of the National Deer Alliance and you read the, you know, you read the emails and you go to the website and you, you, you take the, the action alert seriously and, you know, you, you follow through with the action alerts. What else can existing members do to help support and whether it's funding or time to the NDA? Yeah. What a great
1: question, Dan. I appreciate that. Um, I think one of the things is that you can you can certainly forward the, if you're a member you should be forwarding your emails on to your friends and ask them to sign up too. It's free, and we're we're grow our list is growing kind of steadily now. We've added a couple thousand more since the start of this year, but that would really help us to recruit more people to get more involved in the issues. Um, you know, the other thing is is to let us know about issues that are going on in your backyard that might not necessarily make the newspaper, for example. Or we, I mean, we we monitor the deer news literally. Uh, every single day, right. we, get, we get the information and we scan them. But that does not mean that we're going to get it all. So if there's something going on that, uh, that you think we can help with in your state or even your municipality, um, I can't promise that you know, that I can get in an airplane and show up anywhere at any time. But we, we can certainly look into it and maybe move the needle. Uh, and I'm envisioning at some point having an NDA ambassador program where we can have people who are out there on the ground working with sportsmen And helping us understand where the issues are and just sort of growing our army of advocates for deer and deer hunters. So that's something if someone's listening to this and you're interested, uh, I'm always going to go for the go-getters and the the people who are coming to me as opposed to me chasing them to do these types of things. So uh, if something like that interests you, uh, shoot me an email, nick at nationaldeeralliance.com or even send it through Dan, and we can talk about what that might look like, because that's something that's, that I have a vision for.
0: Right, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you what, there's guys out there. Because it wasn't until recently, I would say last three months, I've, I'm have i not going to say I've been putting pressure on the listeners of, of the Sportsman's Nation content, but I've been asking the questions, what are you doing to give back? And there are a lot of people who, want to give back so they just don't know how and this is an opportunity you know for you to just reach out to someone like nick or reach out to someone from the qdma or the rocky mountain elk foundation or you know the mule deer foundation and ask what you can do i am sure that these people will gladly give some kind of feedback your way on what what difference you can make and um that right there gets me excited to continue to have guys like Nick on the show and have you know guys like uh, um, Lindsey Thomas Jr. from the QDMA on the show and just chit chat about everything that's going on, keeping people updated, and and continue the ball rolling because I really f- I'm I'm starting to feel like there is this this snowballing effect of people who. Want to be more involved in in conservation, some way, shape, or form, and I think all we got to do is keep feeding them, and when that happens, then then we get an army going.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's funny you bring up Lindsay because if if you follow his Twitter feed, and you know how busy that guy is, so I can yeah. guarantee. If you if you call him, he's going to have something for you to do too. So yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Uh, Nick, I'm going to give you the floor to end the show. Man, is there anything else you want to sh- say to the listeners?
1: Uh, yeah, not not really. Other than just to, again, thank you, Dan, for the platform that you provide. It's it really I think you just do a great job at hitting big picture issues that sports need need to hear about. So I appreciate that. Um, and just to remind people that, Hey, you know, we're, we're all in this together. We're all sportsmen. We're all, we might have differences in what we use or how we do it. But at the end of the day, we all want to do what's right by deer and deer hunters in the hunting industry. And don't be shy. If there's something you think you can do to help out, get in touch, let us know. And, uh, I just, I, I appreciate everybody's support to this point, but let's, let's not stop here. Let's just make this be the beginning of something that turns out really great.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Nick uh, and Torrin now at the National Deer Alliance. Uh, Really appreciate what these guys are doing. And just remember, that this organization, there is no fee. It is free to sign up to get the newsletter and it's just a great conduit of information coming from what these guys are do are doing to you so sign up for the national deer alliance it is free go do it right after you listen to this podcast hit stop and go do it right now um i I don't know what to say. It's it's something easy that you can do, and just get the emails from them, or go to their website and just read up on all the great things that these guys are doing. Uh, huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast: Vortex, The Average Conservationist, Prime Archery. Ozonix, Wasp, and Lone Wolf. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast, because in return, then you're kind of supporting me. And uh, these guys love making money, and they love uh, supporting me. Not only um, to you know spread the 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 brand message, but I've gotten a lot of feedback from these guys who are. Also saying, you know, like, dude, we love what you're doing, trying to motivate and excite the um, hunters and non-hunters, but whatever. That's me bragging at this point. Um, We're done. Have a good week. Have a great weekend. And uh, it's time to give back, man. Do Do something to give back.